Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I, uh, I have my message I want to share with you today, but I want to pause for just a half second and uh, thank all of you. Maybe we have some visitors. Uh, uh, surely there are a lot of people watching online. There are always so many people watching online. It blows my mind, to be honest with you, how many people we have watching online every week. Uh, it's just so nice. And also listening on the podcast, uh, for that matter. I want to, uh, to thank all of you. We've had a number of people... As you know, things in the world have been kind of crazy, and anti-Semitism, wow, it has been in your face right here in the United States, right here in Atlanta, for that matter, uh, and North Georgia. And so, uh, yet at the same time, the Lord raises a standard against, you know, And, and, uh, and, and sometimes there are people who will stand up, and, and, and I've, uh, this week, uh, with everything we're doing, working for Israel this weekend especially and the next few weeks, but we're raising funds for Israel and raising uh, the opportunity for people to bring things or send things in that will ship over to Israel to bless them. And uh, and so I've sent out a, a number of communications, but this even just this week and in the last few weeks, there is that remnant, you know, that remnant of our Christian brothers and sisters that are standing up. And man, I appreciate it. all of you who are watching on the internet who uh, or listening on the podcast who are standing up, man, I'm grateful to you, our, our Christian brothers and sisters. It just means the world. It really does. I had, uh, I had uh, somebody uh, email me just a couple days ago uh, from uh, some churches, listen, we just want you to know, I don't know who this person is, we just want you to know that our Bible study group is praying for Israel regularly, and we're, we're behind you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Another, another person emailed me. I got the email today, and they said, uh, I, I just, I, the person said uh, something to the effect of, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing in my own country right now. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And, 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 uh, and they just proceeded to, to share about how supportive they were of, of us, uh, and such and Israel and, and everything. And, uh, there's, uh, also got an email, uh, today, from one of our regular viewers in uh, Norway. <laughs> you know, the internet reaches all over the world, y'all. I'm telling you, we have viewers uh, all over the world at this point. But this has been one of our regular uh, viewers in Norway for some time and shared, well, listen, I've got a group of people I'm getting together to watch. You know, I, we watched you last week. We're getting another group. It's like, man, a group of people watching us in Norway. That's wild, isn't it? And, and just expressing about how much they were praying for Israel and the situation 
situation that's going on over there and how uh, their heart was broken for it. And, uh, you know, you have these remnants that are, that are out there. And wow, even though there are just so few, it still is encouraging. You know, it's encouraging that there's somebody. You know, we need Corey Ten Booms that, you know, people who are willing to risk themselves to stand up, even at the risk of their own lives. Uh, it's just not frequent, <laughs> uh, but but man, it's appreciated, and it just means so much, and it's moving, and uh, and 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 our non-Jewish regulars that we have here at Bethel El and members that we have, we have we have Jewish and non-Jewish members. Uh, it just uh, wow, at times like this, you know, we're we're different, you know. When when you join Bethel El, it's not like you're just joining any of the five hundred thousand. Houses of worship in, in Georgia, okay? You know what I'm saying? There's one in every, you know, you, you can you can hold your breath as you drive, if you drive quick enough, and, and, and just let it out and take another breath every time you pass a house of worship, and you're probably not going to suffocate. But you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of houses of worship. And you know what? That's a good thing. God bless them. I'm happy for that. But at the same time, uh, one of these places is not like the other one of the, okay, I'm Sesame Street on that one, or what electric company. Uh, but we are different than, and than any other of these places. And so, uh, it really is, is a commitment and it's, it's saying something about you. And in particular, I, I speak as to our non-Jewish brothers and sisters that come here and come here regularly and, or just come to visit and support just as a solidarity to support. Golly, thank you so much. I don't take that for granted. And I've, I've learned enough over the years to, uh, but wow, that's close to the heart of God. It has something to do with what I'm talking about today. In fact, I'm going to spend some today. I'm going to spend some time today talking biblically correct. Okay, <laughs> biblically correct. You know, uh, in society today, uh, a lot of what you get is people who who uh, speak about the situation, everything politically correct, politically political correctness, politically correct. And uh, and listen, I understand a, a certain amount of decorum, and, and but I. I, with this Bema here, I'm not, I'm not obligated, in fact, required to be politically correct. I'm obligated to be biblically correct. Uh, that, that's the that's bottom line. Uh, and so we're going to talk today some about Israel, but I also want to relate it to you and your personal life. Because uh, I, I really think that the principles, y'all, the principles that we see playing out in the Middle East are ones that reveal truths on a micro level as well, not just on the macro level of the Middle East and everything going on in Israel. There are definitely principles that are, that are macro and that are big picture kinds of things, but there are also things that apply to us, these principles. I, I want to share them with you and let you see the biblical spiritual principle that, yes, applies to the big picture, but applies to you personally in your life. Genesis chapter 13, because first... The first thing we have to do, though, is we got to back up. We got to back up in time. Tick, 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 backing up in time. Tick, 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 tick. The clock is going backwards. Tick, 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 tick. I like doing that as an homage to Rabbi E, who used to do that in some of his messages, and I loved when he used to do that as a kid. When he did the ticking sound, I have no idea why. So we have to back up in time to understand what's going on. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 and 15 says this, After Lot separated himself from him, meaning Abram, Abraham, Adonai had said to Abram, 
Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are to the north, south, east, and west. For all the land you are looking at, I will give to you and to your seed forever. Forever, forever, forever. It's so interesting because if you, if you study like uh, politics and, and treaties and, and things like this, politicians always say that the two parties need to negotiate a deal between the two of them. That, that's that's kind of just in general. I'm talking about not just Israel stuff. I'm just talking about general treaties, right? Uh, you got two parties that have to come to an agreement to form a treaty. Uh, that, that, that's how that generally works, and that's nice. And it may, by some miracle, yield a short-term peace, thinking of Israel and such. But the truth of the matter, biblically correct now, the truth of the matter is that it's not about bilateral negotiations. Sooner or later, God himself will impose his deal. Period. Hard stop, end of sentence. We read what God said. God didn't say, I give it to you and your seed for a little while or until the Messiah comes. No, 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 no. Explicit. Forever. I give it to you and your seed forever. Your seed meaning your descendants forever. He's crystal clear. He's giving them the land. It's the land grant of Israel, of the Lord God. Talk about indigenous people. Okay, but, but we know also, to, well, you, you say, okay, well, his, to his seed, but we, but we do know that the Arab people are also descendants of Abraham through Ishmael. So does God make it clear? Yes, he does. Genesis chapter 17, a few chapters later, Genesis chapter 17, crystal clear. Because Abraham was asking God about Ishmael and his descendants. He says, well, what about them? Can they, be, can they be blessed? Abraham asks God about Ishmael, which is understandable. Verse 19, Genesis 17, 19. But God said, on the contrary, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you must name him Isaac. So I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. See, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful and I will multiply him very, very much. He will father 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you at the set time next year. Okay, well, we see in this a couple different things, and these things are, are, are both important to note and to understand. Isn't it crazy that we're reading things from the first book of the Bible, Bereshit, like the very first book in the Torah, that the, the Gary so beautifully walked around our synagogue today. The very first book in the Bible— forever ago, y'all, so many thousands of years, that has direct application on the biggest news of the day in 2023. That's, come on. 
only supernatural. That's wild. We see in this passage two things. First, friends, the Arab people, inclusive of the Palestinian people, are told by God that they would be blessed and that God would multiply them much and make them a great nation. So clearly, beloved, that the Palestinians are our cousins. They're family, and we should pray for them, that the Lord reveals himself to them. So many of them, friends, and, and you, you all know this, so many of them are conditioned from the time they are little to hate Israel and hate the Jews. We have to understand that for sure, being pro-Israel does not mean we are anti-Arab. No, we should genuinely care for them and pray for those that are truly innocent, many of which who are suffering due to the terrorists. This is not something that is a, this is not for me an aside that's a nice politically correct thing to say or, or, or a brush off comment. No, no, this is important. You know, we should be praying for uh, our cousins and the Palestinian people. This is, this is brutal. We, we see what happens when man disobeys God and when people come against God's plan, as we're seeing. Uh, down there. At the same time, God could not be more clear. He could not be more clear. The covenant is with Isaac, period, hard stop. To Isaac and his seed belong the nation of Israel and the promise of a Messiah to come. It is unambiguous. Straight up, straight up, if you believe the scriptures, if you believe what the book says, then it is explicitly asked and answered. Explicitly. There is zero ambiguity to it. Amos chapter 9. Amos. Very famous prophet. He was known by that. Famous Amos. <laughs> Now, friends, okay, God promised them, Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 17, that the Jewish people would inherit the land of Israel. However, we know that the Jewish people were disobedient to God. People talk, oh, the Jewish people are the chosen people. Yes, that's true. But the whole, it seems like the whole scripture is full of us blowing it and messing up and being disobedient to God. But which is, by the way, as a side note, the difference between us and every other people. All the other people are disobedient too, but ours is in the book, y'all. It's rough. <laughs> it's really rough. Okay. So we know that to, due to the Jewish people's disobedience to God, God said, okay, there's going to be discipline because you Jewish, my, my people, my Jewish people, you disobeyed me even though I was a father to you. And, and, and so there's going to be discipline because of it. And what's the discipline? He said, I'm going to scatter you to the four corners of the earth. The Jewish people would be scattered. And sure enough, that happened. 
and indeed happened, why you have Jewish people in every country in the world, there are Jewish people. Everywhere you go, there are Jewish people all over the world, just like God said would happen in the Tanakh and the scriptures. But although the punishment was to be severe, it would not be permanent. God explicitly, time after time after time in the prophets said, this discipline of being scattered away from your homeland that I promised you is severe, but it's not permanent. One day it will change. Listen to God specifically promising this. You listen to these words and you determine yourself what you hear God saying. It is really clear. Okay, Amos chapter 9, verse 11. Hear what God says specifically to the Jewish people after their discipline ends. In that day, I will raise up. In that day, God says, I will raise up David's fallen sukkah. I will restore its breaches, raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in days of old so they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations called by my name. It is a declaration of Adonai, the one who will do this. So God is doing this, verse 13. Specifically what? Behold, the days are soon coming, a declaration of Adonai, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the one treading grapes, the one sowing seed. The mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills will melt over. Yes, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel. They will rebuild desolated cities and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will also make gardens and eat their fruit. Yes, I will plant them on their land. I will plant them on their land and they will never again be plucked up out of their land that I have given to them. Adonai, your God has said it. Friends, you can't be more clear than that. It's, ex it's so explicit. If you believe the book, if you're a believer in the book, which by the way, so many people who call themselves Christians, supposed to believe the book. Could not be more clear. Really, really, my friends, that settles it. It's, a, it's settled law. The United Nations can do what it wants. The president of the United States and the next president of the United States can do what he or she wants. But friends, I'm here to tell you that when God makes a commitment, he keeps it. There is an error in much of historic Christianity, something called, uh, this a theology called replacement theology uh, or supersessionism. Many of you are aware of it. And a little bit of the background of this doctrinal error, if you will, is since for so many centuries, so God promises the, the Jewish people will be restored and they'll, and they'll be blessed and they'll come back to the land. But for so many centuries, century after century, I'm not talking about year after year, month after month. I mean, century after century after century, the Jewish people were wandering without their homeland. Wandering, no, no, nothing, not, not all going back to their homeland. There were, 
and under such immense persecution. They were persecuted wherever, they, wherever we went. And many Christians felt as though God was done with the Jewish people and that the church took the place of Israel as God's chosen people. But friends, God could not have been more clear as to his plan. He really can't make it any more explicitly clear. It's just that oftentimes man is impatient for God to fulfill his plan. And by that, I'm not wagging my finger, y'all. I'm wag- if, if so, I'm wagging my finger at myself. I'm impatient oftentimes for God's plan. You know, I, how, how many times am I, you know, how many times in life have you, were, have you ever felt like, you know, God, Lord, I, I know kind of what your heart is in this situation. Can't you just make it happen? And that can be in our personal lives, right? You know, it's like, I got this bill, God, and, uh, you know, I sure would like for not to have the bill <laughs> or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Or a relationship is broken down or just too many, too many things to mention where, where we were like, you know, Lord God, I, I just know what your heart. Listen, God is, man, he is slow but sure. And, uh, and, and this was centuries, centuries, but man, God could not be more clear. The passage we just read in Amos and many others in the prophets make it clear that God will bring us back to our land of Israel. He will bring us back to our land of Israel, no question. So in other words, if you will, that contract that he made with Abraham, the Jewish people back in Genesis, he's going to hold up his end of the bargain. By the way, it was a one-way covenant anyway. It, it didn't require Abraham. It was, it was unilaterally given to Abraham. So, But God obviously is going to fulfill his part of the bargain, which is 100% of the deal. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. He's going to fulfill the, con- the contract. I'm going to put it that way. No question. But the passage that I want to read to you next in Isaiah, turn to Isaiah 49, will tell us even more. Wow, and this is all going to relate to you personally in just a minute. Because in this passage in Isaiah chapter 49, we see something in this passage which is the heart of God toward Israel. We're going to read more in Isaiah 49 about the heart of God. So I want you to to listen to these words. Y'all, I'm telling you, this all builds and is accretive. I want you to I want you to tune in to, as you listen to these words, which are from God, I want you to do more than just listen to the nuances and the, the exact words. I want you to feel what God is trying to emote here, what he's trying to convey as a feeling. Listen to these words, what God says about Israel. Isaiah 49, verse 14, and the Jewish people For Zion said, Zion is Israel, the Jewish people. For Zion said, Adonai has forsaken me. Adonai has forgotten me. God replies, Can a woman forget her nursing baby? or lack compassion for a child of her womb? 
even if these forget, I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So friends, here's the key that reveals so much. Listen to this. When I cut a contract with somebody, oftentimes it's just business. When I cut a contract with somebody, it's business. When I go to buy a car, okay, when you go to the car dealership and buy a car, new or used, and you go to that car dealership, right? And you're negotiating that car. Uh, eventually, you come to an agreement, right? And when you come to an agreement about buying that car, you're going to eventually sign a contract. And in that, si in that signed contract that you sign with a car dealership, I am legally obligated to do what's in that contract, if they're payments or whatever it is. I'm buying this car. Okay, and so when you sign on the dotted line for that contract, that legal binding covenant that you're making with the car dealership, you're obligated to it. But friends, once I buy a car, I don't go back to the dealer over and over and over again and hug my salesperson. <laughs> I don't do it. I don't go back and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm just, uh, oh, Jim Ellis. Oh, it's just so good to be back here. And I just, I love you. And I'm going to, I want to just kiss the walls of Jim Ellis or, or whatever the, the dealership is. You know, it's a uh, oh, Roswell Toyota. Oh my gosh. It's just so special to be here. I love all you people. Oh my gosh. Nobody does this. No, nobody does this. Of course. So sure, God cut a covenant with Israel. He cut a covenant with Israel. We read about it in Genesis in multiple places. We read about it in Amos. No question, God cut the covenant with Israel, with the Jewish people. But friends, it is much, 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 much more than this. Much. God's feelings for Israel, we read in Isaiah, are profoundly personal, profoundly personal. God says in Isaiah that even if a mother forgets about her nursing child, that's more likely, but God will never forget Israel. Now you think about that for a minute. We have a, a baby in the, in, the, in, the, in the back right now in the foyer. If you've ever been a parent or a, or a mom, and a, a, to forget about your, your child, like completely forget. God says she may forget, I will not forget you, Israel. In fact, he says, behold, to emphasize it as such an intimate, it's like a beyond a child, how God feels about Israel. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That's what God says. You read it in Isaiah explicitly. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Beloved, that is as intimate as it could possibly get. You really, really, 
really need to understand this to understand anything that's going on. When it comes to Israel, for God, it's immeasurably personal. Okay, now go with me on this. With that understanding, I have a question for you. <laughs> Is there evil in the world? Of course, of course, yes, right? Okay. So if there is evil, I want you to follow me on this logic. It's going to make sense. It relates. If there is evil and if there is an adversary to God, then it only makes sense that this adversary will come most strongly against that which God cares so deeply about. The adversary will hate that which God loves. Right? The adversary will hate that which God loves. See, beloved, an anti-Semitic spirit is an anti-God spirit. There's a reason why there is such obvious disproportion and bias in the world when it comes to Israel. People think naively that it is all about a land dispute. It is not. It is a spiritual conflict. Listen to this. I mean, this is just one tiny example. The world has 8 billion people in it. 8 billion with a B. 8 billion people in the world. Yet somehow, <laughs> in the United Nations Human Rights Council, 46% of all nation-specific resolutions were against one nation, Israel. the number of resolutions against Israel were as many as all the other nations of the entire world combined in the Human Rights Council. Now, all while, this just, there's a reason, this, is, this makes sense. All while, over half a million Syrians died in the civil war there more than half of which were civilians, tragically. Over 300,000 civilians. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. The Chinese regime and the oppression, they, the Iranian regime, the, the Russian-Ukraine war, which, which saw tens and tens and tens of thousands of civilians die in Mariupol alone. One city in Ukraine. Tens and tens of thousands. Civilians. In Sudan, over 300,000 killed. I'm just talking about the last 20 years. Over 300,000 killed in Sudan. The North Korean regime. 
Friends, there's plenty if the United Nations Human Rights Council wanted to pick up on some human rights issues. There's plenty of material. But no, no, it's all about one country of nine million people. Israel, it's all about one country. It's all about Israel. The world protests, not against the terrorist Nazis, but against the victim. Listen, Israel is far from perfect, and it's not immune to criticism. That's not what I'm saying. But such disproportion reveals the adversary's hand. It's almost like, you know, you watch some of these people playing these card games on TV, and there's this, uh, and when they put their cards down on the table, there's a camera, it's a piece of glass, and you can see what the cards they have, right? And, and, and it's, almost like, it's almost like the adversary of our souls is playing, but, but he's making it so obvious that he's putting his, his cards in such a way that you can see the cards. It's so obvious. It's so disproportionate. You can see it reveals the conflict to be more than physical. Listen, the devil hates that which God loves. Doesn't that just make sense? The devil hates that which God loves. What does God love? Turn to John chapter 3. See, this relates to everybody here. You see it at the baseball and the football games, but think about it in reference to what we've just all talked about. The devil hates that which God loves. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. (laughs) Y'all, the adversary hates those that God loves. See, beloved, this conflict relates to you as well. Why is it that we have such opposition? And I mean, you in your life, why is it sometimes that it feels like so much opposition? Why are things oftentimes hard and difficult for you, for us? Why aren't things just easier? Why can't things just go really smoothly without any obstacles or barriers or difficulty in life? We're beginning to see the picture swipe down a few pages down to John chapter 10. See, you have to understand what the adversary's intent is. John chapter 10, verse 10, says the thief comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Yeshua says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Friends, we're standing for the light. We're standing for truth. When we serve God, the adversary hates us all the more. He seeks our pain and destruction. He seeks for us to fall. But Yeshua came. Oh, praise God. But Yeshua came. Yeshua came that we might have life and have it abundantly. See, he loves us with an everlasting love. 
He cares for you. So Chavarim, you can't be discouraged when the adversary attacks. I'm talking about you and your personal life. In so many ways, that means that you're doing something good. I want to tell you something. This is going to resonate with you. The adversary has no reason to attack if you've already surrendered. The abundant life is not without challenges. The abundant life is not without challenges. The abundant life is overcoming challenges. Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> wow, and this, this is why this all makes sense for our, verse 12. For our struggle <laughs> is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So the struggle against the adversary in your own personal life really mirrors the struggle we see played in front of us. There's some real parallels there. Will you love what God loves? Righteousness, goodness, Will you love who God loves? Will we succumb to the pressure of the world in our own lives? Will we give in? Or will we recognize the adversary for who he is and fight him? That's the word I used. Because make no mistake, this is a battle. This is a battle that we are in. Don't give up in your personal battles against sin in your life. Don't surrender your will to the enemy. Don't fall away from God or give up. If you're watching maybe online or listening to podcasts, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't allow depression or or fear to overcome you. It's time to fight. Ecclesiastes says that there's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. And the, the title of my message is A Time for War. I've got another scripture I'm going to share with you, but first bow your heads. Oh, Lord, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we have to battle sometimes. We have to battle against, against those who hate what you love. Give us the strength to do so, even regardless of what the numbers look like. But I mean this even in our personal lives. Give us the strength to love that which you love, righteousness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Help us, Lord. 
I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you, raise your hand and we'll have a prayer. If you've never given your life to God, but you want to, just raise your hand and we'll pray. Is there anyone? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we enter into this last part of, of the message and the kind of the vision that you gave me for this, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that we are able to stand firm, as I did in a message a, a number of weeks ago, that we're able to stand firm and stand strong against the adversary in our own life and stand firm and stand strong for the truth, Lord, about what's going on in, the, in this conflict. Help us, O oh God, Lord, and help your people, Lord, give strength to those who are under such incredible pressure. In Yeshua's name, in Yeshua's name. Turn to Genesis chapter 12, please. Genesis 12. And so, friends, just as the adversary hates that which God loves, <laughs> think about this for a minute. Just as the adversary hates that which God loves, if we love God, we should love what he loves, <laughs> right? If the adversary hates what he loves, if we love God, we should love what he loves. That just makes some simple sense there, doesn't it? And if this is true about you, then you should love Israel. Yeah, you, you read what was in Amos. That's the heart of God for his people. Is that your heart? Is that your heart? Watching online or listening in the podcast. Genesis chapter 12, you know this scripture. Verse 3, God says, my, talking to Abraham and, and his descendants, my desire is to bless those who bless you. But whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Oh, that's so true. We know that it's through Abraham's seed came Messiah Yeshua, which blessed the whole world. Messiah Yeshua is part of the fulfillment of Genesis 12, 3. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's through the Messiah that came through Abraham. Friends, if we bless Israel, as it says in Genesis 12, God promises us a blessing straight up. He says, I will bless those who bless you. Israel is in her time of need. We, we're unabashedly supportive of her. I read recently in the Jerusalem Post where the war in Israel is costing Israel a billion shekels per day. A billion shekels per day, per day. That's over, and you're like, well, what does that convert to? That's over $270 million per day. In just a few minutes, we're going to receive a special offering to help bless Israel. I mentioned to you members in my email that I was going to that we would receive a second offering that was just for Israel today. And these funds are going to go to Israel. They'll go to soldiers, their families. They'll go to supplies. 
Literally 100%, 100% of what we receive will be given to Israel. It is time to put our faith into action. Scripture says faith without works is dead, right? And when we give to Israel, this should be above our tithes. Rebbitson, Tiffany, and I personally are going to put in the first thousand dollars toward this. Faith without works is dead. Let's put our faith into action. I want to call up the musicians right now. I'm going to ask you to pull down the screen, David. And, and I want us, we're going to, we don't receive, you know, even sometimes when we have guest speakers, sometimes we won't receive a, a second special offering. I don't do it that all. I don't do it every time. I don't do it that all often, not near as much as many play. But for Israel, y'all, everything that she's been going through, I want to bless Israel from us big, big. I want to bless Israel big. If you're watching online or listening on the podcast, if you're listening on the podcast, please, y'all, it's hard to know people who are listening uh, on the podcast, but it, in, in the notes section of the podcast, there's a, a link. Please go to that link and donate toward Israel. In the memo section, or in the notes section, they call it on the PayPal donate thing, in the notes section, just write the word Israel. If you're watching online, the QR code is going to come up on your screen if it's not already, and it's up on the screen here. And, and all you do is you just take your smartphone and you open up the camera setting, just the regular camera, and you hold it up, you kind of zoom in if you need to on that QR code that you see on your screen. And as you do, you kind of zoom in on it. You don't actually take the picture. You just take the camera out and kind of zoom in on it. And then you look on your phone and it's going to give you a link. And you just press that link. It'll take you to our PayPal site to donate and to give toward Israel. And then again, in the notes section, please write Israel so that we know it's not part of your regular tithes. And if you brought your checkbook, I asked you members, bring your checkbook. See, I gave, it's great. I gave you members. I'm going to tell you something. The members you see here today and tomorrow, we have our service tomorrow. The members you see here are not afraid of giving. How do I know that? I gave them full warning. I'm collecting a special offering, bring your checkbook. <laughs> and yet they came anyway. What does that tell you? That tells you people love the Lord and are generous. And so we're going to receive a special, again, Zero goes to Bethlehem from this. Everything we receive, write the check out to Bethlehem, but 100% of what we get, 100 is going to go toward Israel. We want to bless them big. They need us right now. They need us. We want to be there. So I'd ask you to, to give generously. In just a moment, the musicians are going to play a song. The offering boxes, they, they, they've, they're empty now. Uh, and in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up and, and uh, place an offering, or if you'd like to give you the QR code, Though I just want to pray God's blessings on you. You know, Genesis 12, 3 says, I will bless those that bless you, that will bless Israel. So I very unashamedly am asking for you to bless Israel in fulfillment of God's word, and you will receive a blessing. I want to pray. Father in heaven, I pray for gener generosity, a spirit of generosity. Some people may be able to afford even greater amounts. Let's, and we can keep that QR code up there a little longer. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that, 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 Lord, you pour out your blessing upon people who are seeking to do your people good. I humbly pray for 
a, a large offering for you and your people and that you will receive this, Lord, with the knowledge that we got a group of people here at Bethel, people who are watching, whatever, who, who love you and, and who want to love what you love, uh, recognizing that Israel's not perfect. And, uh, and we, we pray f- certainly for our, our Palestinian cousins as well, uh, Lord, and, and we pray protection for, for children and, uh, and for them to come to the knowledge of you, God. Uh, so, Lord, we thank you for this and we bless you for this special offering, B'Shem Yeshua, Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Light, light, light.